0: My name is Sanghyun Song. I am president of the International Criminal Court. Title of my lecture is The International Criminal Court, Maintaining Judicial Independence in a Political World. The International Criminal Court has come a long way since it was created. Already 110 states have ratified or acceded to its Rome Statute. The prosecutor has initiated four investigations. The judges have issued 13 warrants of arrest and have clarified the interpretation of fundamental parts of the Rome Statute. States have surrendered four suspects to the court. In January 2009, we passed a milestone with the start of our first trial, that of Mr. Thomas Lubangadillo. The second trial is scheduled to begin in November, that of two other accused from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mr. Jermaine Katanga and Mr. Mathieu Ngujolo Chui. A third case, that of Mr. Jean Pierre Bemba, could begin early in 2010. Mr. Bemba, who is also from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, is charged for crimes the prosecution alleges he committed in the Central African Republic. And finally, in May, Mr. Abgarda the leader of a Darfur rebel faction, voluntarily answered a summons to appear in court. He is expected to appear again for a confirmation of charges hearing in October. The prosecutor accuses him and two others of war crimes related to the killing of African Union peacekeepers in Sudan. All this means that just six years after its start, The ICC is a fully functioning judicial institution. Judges are hearing testimony. Witnesses and victims are telling their stories. The prosecution is presenting its evidence. Defense counsel are vigorously defending the rights of the accused. The Trust Fund for Victims has launched its first project there are increasing indications that the ICC could be having a deterrent effect on political perpetrators of international crimes. And at the end of the day, that has to be the key. If we bring perpetrators of the worst violations to justice, future horrors could be prevented. With greater judicial activity, the work of the ICC has drawn wider attention. So long as what we are doing is well understood, this is a good thing. Through diplomatic meetings, public information campaigns, and outreach activities in the situation countries, the ICC does what it can to ensure understanding. If our work is to contribute to reconciliation, affected communities must see justice being done. If the ICC is to play a part in deterring atrocities, the broader international community must understand what it is what it is not. Where the increase in attention to the ICC's work combines with the poor understanding of its mandate and functioning, there remain risks to the ICC and the larger goals of the Rome Statute. These risks can take different forms. For example, now that cases are at trial, there could be heightened expectations of what the ICC can do. If people expect that the ICC can handle all cases of genocide, crimes against the humanity, and war crimes, this will inevitably lead to disappointment, of course. The ICC does not have the capacity to handle all cases of genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes. Indeed, it was never the intention of the Rome Statute's framers that it should. Under the principle of complementarity, the ICC only acts where states are unwilling or unable to credibly investigate and prosecute crimes. If states ensure that they deal with crimes, the ICC will not need to act. Indeed, in those cases, the ICC has no jurisdiction. And apart from referrals from the Security Council, the ICC only has jurisdiction over crimes committed on the territory of states parties or committed by nationals of states parties, which have all acceded to the Rome Statute voluntarily. By relying on these two classical determinants of jurisdiction, the Rome Statute actually reaffirms core principles of state sovereignty. Even where the ICC has territorial jurisdiction, it only has the mandate and capacity to deal with most serious of accusations. Further, it is restricted only two crimes that took place after the Rome Statute came into effect on the 1st of July 2002. In so far as the ICC's mandate is limited by the principle of complementarity, this is something the ICC embraces. It is crucial that where national judicial systems can credibly investigate and fairly try alleged perpetrators of atrocity crimes, they do so. Domestic trials bring justice closer to the victims. They help to build national judicial capacity. And over time, they can help to enhance the deterrent effect of prosecutions. It must not be forgotten that domestic trials are foreseen by the Rome Statute itself. The ICC is only one component of the larger Rome Statute system, but it is a critical part. In those places where governments are unable or unwilling to try their own, victims of the worst crimes known to humanity are just as deserving of justice. And by offering the possibility to provide justice in these most difficult of situations, the very existence of the ICC can help promote local efforts. The possibility of ICC jurisdiction can encourage states to develop the will and capacity to establish credible alternatives to trials in The Hague. These facts about the ICC are readily available, but they are not always well enough understood in the broader diplomatic community. The fact is that we are a judicial institution operating in a political world. The ICC is politically neutral and judicially independent but we are aware that the world around us a world that we depend upon for support and cooperation is not always that way. Much work has gone into ensuring that the ICC can operate without political influence. At the Rome Conference, states successfully banded together to ensure the ICC's independence. It should be noted that this was particularly true of African states. With their experience of colonialism, African states were skeptical of investing power of the ICC in the hands of a few countries. They rejected proposals to place the ICC under the control of the United Nations Security Council. In a set of principles adopted in 1997, the Southern African Development Community declared that the court should be independent and that the prosecutor should be able to investigate crimes without influence from states or the Security Council subject only to appropriate judicial scrutiny. Further, the SADC stressed that the independence and operations of the ICC and its judicial functions must not be unduly prejudiced by political considerations. These principles were subsequently adopted by other African states and embraced by many states from other parts of the world. The initiative succeeded and these important principles were embedded at the very core of the Rome Statute. With the ICC's judicial activity increasingly drawing the eyes of the world, it is once again necessary to seek guidance from the influential SADC principles of 1997. We must keep politics separate from judicial proceedings. The Rome Statute created the possibility for a political body, the Security Council, to refer situations to the court. In the case of Darfur, this is what happened in March 2005. Once a situation comes before the ICC, we must let justice follow its course. States must accept that Judges cannot and will not take political considerations into account. They make a purely judicial judgment on purely judicial facts. There is no room for politics at the ICC. Those who wish to discuss political issues will need to do so in political forums. We will not get involved in these debates. The ICC can try to disseminate simple facts about our mandate and work, but its resources for doing so are limited. We rely on the states that created us to shield us from political winds. It is up to others with knowledge of the ICC, including diplomats, academics, and NGO representatives to play their part. Through simple dissemination of basic information, they can help ensure that the broader diplomatic community and the public at large understand fundamental facts about the Rome Statute system. Although the ICC must remain immune to political influence of its judicial decisions, it can engage with important political partners to coordinate the further development of the system of international criminal justice. This system comprises numerous actors with widely diverging sometimes conflicting mandates. Even acting at the best of its ability, the ICC is only one small piece of the puzzle. Too many atrocity crimes fall outside the jurisdiction of the ICC. And in any case, the ICC will only ever have resources to focus on the most serious cases within its jurisdiction. It will take all parts of the system working together within their respective mandates to have the maximum impact. The courts, states, international institutions, NGOs, and academia all have a role to play in improving the system but to do so effectively, they must fully understand each other. They can collaborate to strengthen national capacity. They can work together to address challenges states face in providing cooperation, enacting implementing legislation, and carrying out domestic investigations and proceedings. To accomplish this, they can coordinate and seek to identify realistic timetables for the further development of the system. It is in this effort that the ICC finds an appropriate intersection between its judicial mandate and the political world. The endeavor launched in Rome has made tremendous progress. The Rome Statute has grown from a piece of paper to a functioning judicial system. The ICC will continue to develop as the judicial institution of last resort for atrocities that must not be ignored. Its success depends on protection from political winds even while it can play an appropriate role in the political realm to seek a more comprehensive system of international criminal justice. In both of these relationships uh, with the political world, the ICC relies on continued support for the noble principles that resonated in Rome. Thank you for watching.